Chapter 16 of Dynamic Thought or the Law of Vibrant Energy by William Walker Atkinson. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Roman Noble, RomanNoble.com. Chapter 16 Thought in Action. Without attempting to go into details, or to enter into explanations, the writer proposes taking his readers on a flying trip through the region of thought in action, or dynamic thought in operation in human life. The details of this fascinating region must be left for another and more extended visit, in our next book, before mentioned, which will be called The Wonders of the Mind. But he thinks that even this flying trip will prove of interest and instruction. Let us start with a hasty look at man himself. Not to speak of his seven planes of mind, which belongs to the next visit, we find him a very interesting object. Not only has he a physical body, apparent to our senses, but he has also a finer or astral body, which he may use, unconsciously or consciously when he learns how, for little excursions away from the body during his lifetime. This astral body is composed of substance just as his denser physical body. The field and range of substance extends far beyond the powers of ordinary vision, as even the materialist must admit when they talk of radiant matter, ethereal substance, etc. Then he has currents of fine force coursing through his nervous system, which may be seen by those possessing astral vision, if the teaching of the occultist be true. Then he, like the particle, has an aura or egg-shaped projection of mind and fine particles of psychoplasm which has been thrown off in the process of thought and which clusters around him, producing a mental atmosphere, which constantly surrounds him and makes itself felt by those coming in his presence. Those who read these words may remember readily the feeling they have experienced when coming in contact with certain people, how some radiated an atmosphere of cheerfulness, brightness, etc., while others radiated the very opposite. Some radiate a feeling of energy, activity, etc., while others manifest just the reverse. Many likes and dislikes between people meeting for the first time arise in this way, each finding in the mental atmosphere of the other some inharmonious element. These radiations are perceived by others coming into their range. Occultists tell us that the character of a man's thought vibrations may be determined by certain colors, which are visible to those having astral sight. There is nothing so wonderful about this, when it is remembered that the various colors of light comprising the visible colors of the spectrum, ranging from red on through orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, and terminating in violet, arise simply from different rates of vibration of the particles of substance. And as the thought is produced by mind-causing vibrations in the psychoplasm, why is not the astral colors reasonable? We cannot stop to consider these colors in detail, but may run over the ones corresponding to each marked emotion of thought as reported by the occult teachings. For instance, the shade of the thought manifesting in physical or organic functions is of a colorless white, or color of clear water, and the color of the thought manifesting in fine force or vital energy is that of air, heated air arising from a furnace or heated ground, when it emerges from the body, although of a faint pink when in the body itself, black represents hate, malice, etc., gray, bright shade, represents selfishness, while gray of a dark, dull shade represents fear. Green represents jealousy, deceit, treachery, and similar emotions, ranging from the dull shades which characterize the lower and cruder forms to the bright shades which characterize the finer or more delicate forms of tact, politeness, and diplomacy, etc. 
Red, dull shade, represents sensuality and animal passion, while red, bright and vivid, represents anger. Crimson in varying shades represents the phases of love. Brown represents avarice or greed. Orange represents pride and ambition, and yellow in varying shades represent grades of intellectual power. Blue is the color of the religious thoughts, ranging, however, through a great variety of stages, from the dull shade of superstitious religious belief to the beautiful violet of the highest religion emotion or thought. What is generally known as spirituality is characterized by a light blue of a peculiar luminous shade. Just as there are ultra-red or ultraviolet rays in the spectrum, which the eye cannot perceive, so occultists inform us there are colors in the aura or mental atmosphere of a person of unusual psychic or occult development. The ultraviolet rays indicating the thought of one who is pursuing the higher planes of occult thought and unfoldment, while the ultra-red is evidenced by those possessing occult development, but who are using the same for base and selfish purposes, black magic in fact. There are other shades, known to occultists, indicating several highly developed states of mind, but it is needless to mention them here. But the influence of these particles of thought stuff, thrown off from the mind, psychoplasm, under the vibrations produced by the mind during the process of thought, does not cease with the phenomena surrounding the aura. They are radiated to a considerable distance and produce a number of effects. Particles are thrown off in great quantities, each vibrating at the rate imparted to it during the process. No, these particles of thought stuff do not compose the thought waves. The latter belong to a different set of phenomena. These particles of vibrating thought stuff fly off from the brain of the thinker in all directions and affect other persons who may come in contact with them. There is an important rule here, however, and that is that they seem to be attracted by those minds which are vibrating in similar thought rates with themselves and are but feebly attracted and in some cases actually repelled by minds vibrating on opposite lines of thought. Like attracts like in the thought world, and birds of a feather flock together here as elsewhere. Some of these particles of thought stuff are still in existence and vibrating, which proceeded from the minds of persons long since dead, the same being emitted or thrown off during the lifetime of the persons, however. Just as a distant star, which was destroyed hundreds of years ago, may have emitted rays which are only now reaching our vision, years after the destruction of the star which emitted them, and just as an odor will remain in a room after the object causing it has departed, the particles still remaining and vibrating. And just as a stove removed from a room may leave heat vibrations behind it, so do these particles persist, vibrate, and influence other minds long after the person who caused them may have passed out of the body. In this way, rooms, houses, neighborhoods, and localities may vibrate with the thoughts of people who lived there long ago, who have since passed away or removed. These vibrations affect people living in these places to a greater or lesser extent, depending upon circumstances. But they may always be counteracted or changed, if they are of undesirable nature, by setting upon positive vibrations on a different plane of mind or character of thought. The mind of a thinker is constantly emitting or throwing off these particles of thought stuff. The distance and rate of speed to and by which they travel, being determined by the force used in their production, there being a great difference between the thought of a vigorous thinker and that emanating from a weak, listless mind. These projections of thought stuff have a tendency to mingle with others of a corresponding rate of vibration, depending upon the character of the thought. Some remain around the places where they were emitted, while others float off like clouds and obey the law of attraction which draws them to persons thinking along similar lines. The characteristics of cities arise in this way. 
the general average of thought of their inhabitants causing a corresponding thought atmosphere to hang over and around it, which atmosphere is distinctly felt by visitors, and often determines the mental character of the persons residing there, in spite of their previous characteristics, that is, unless they understand the laws of thought. Some neighborhoods also have their own peculiar mental atmosphere, as all may have noticed if they have visited certain tough neighborhoods, on the one hand, and neighborhoods of an opposite kind, on the other. Certain kinds of thoughts and actions seem to be contagious in certain places, and they are those who do not understand the law. Certain shops seem to have their own atmosphere, some reflecting confidence and honest dealing, and others radiating an atmosphere that causes patrons to hold tightly to their pocketbooks, and, in some extreme cases, to be certain that their buttons are tightly sewed on their garments. Yes, places like people have their distinctive mental atmospheres, and both arise from the same cause. And each person draws to himself these particles of vibrating thought stuff, corresponding with the general mental attitude maintained by him. If one harbors feelings of malice, he will find thoughts of malice, revenge, hate, etc., pouring in upon him. He has made himself a center of attraction, and has set the law into operation. His only safe course is to resolutely change his thought vibrations. A most remarkable form of these particles of thought stuff is evidenced in the case of what are known among occultists as thought forms, which are aggregations of particles of thought stuff energized by intense and positive thought and which are sent out with such intensity and positiveness that they are almost vitalized and manifest almost the same degree of mental influence that would be manifested by the sender if he were present where they are. This highly interesting phase of the subject would take many chapters to describe in detail and we must content ourselves with a mere passing view. To those who are interested in the subject, the writer would say that he proposes considering them at considerable length in the forthcoming book, The Wonders of the Mind, which has been alluded to elsewhere. Besides the operation of these particles of thought stuff emitted during the production of thought, there are many other phases of thought influence, or thought in action. The principal phase of this phenomena arises from the working of the law of attraction between the respective minds of different people. Just as there are particles of substance united and connected by lines of connection, so are the minds of men connected, and the strong pull of desire manifests along these lines, just as it does in the case of the atoms. There has been much written of recent years regarding this drawing power of the mind, and although some of what has been written is the veriest rubbish and nonsense, Yet under it all there remains a strong form, substantial substratum of fact and truth. Men do attract success and failure to them. People do attract things to them. As strange as it may seem to the person who has not acquainted himself with the laws of underlying the phenomenon. There is no miracle about all of this. It is simply that the law of attraction is in full operation, and that people of similar thoughts are drawn together by reason thereof. The workings of this law are somewhat intricate but all of us are constantly using them, consciously or unconsciously. We draw to ourselves that which we desire very much, or that which we fear very much, for a fear is a belief and acts in the direction of actualizing itself, sometimes. But again, as Kipling would say, but that's another story. This phase of the subject is a mighty subject in itself, and the half has not been told, even by the many who have written of it. The writer intends to try to remedy the deficiency in his next book, however. Then again, the excitement of thought in the minds of people may be transmitted or communicated to the minds of others and a similar vibration set up. 
Under certain conditions and subject to certain restraining influences, just as in the case of the particles of substances in a body or mass of substance, and in many ways, that will suggest themselves to the reader who has mastered the contents of the earlier chapters of this book. The phenomena of dynamic thought in the case of the atoms and particles may be and are duplicated in the case of individual minds of men. The reader will see readily that this theory of dynamic thought and the facts noted in the consideration thereof give an intelligent explanation for the respective phenomena of hypnotism, mesmerism, suggestion, thought transference, telepathy, etc., as well as of mental healing, magnetic healing, etc., all of which are manifestations of dynamic thought. Not only do we see, as Prentice Mulford said, that thoughts are things, but we may see just why they are things. And we may see and understand the laws of their production and operation. This theory of dynamic thought will throw light into many dark corners and make plain many hard sayings that have perplexed you in the past. The writer believes that it gives us the key to many of the great riddles of life. This theory has come to stay. It is no ephemeral thing, doomed to die a borning. It will be taken up by others and polished, and added to, and shaped and decorated. But the fundamental principles will stand the stress of time and men. Of this the writer feels assured. It may be laughed at at first, not only by the man on the street, but also by the scientist. But it will outlive this, and in time will come to its own, perhaps long after the writer and the book have been forgotten. This must be so, for the idea of dynamic thought underlies the entire universe and is the cause of all phenomena. Not only is all that we see as life and mind as substance illustrations of the law, but even that which lies back of these things must evidence the same law. Is it too daring a conception to hazard the thought that perhaps the universe itself is the result of the dynamic thought of the infinite? O oh, dynamic thought, we see in thee the instrument by which all form and shape are created changed and destroyed. We see in thee the source of all energy, force, and motion. We see thee always, present and everywhere, present and always in action. Verily thou art life and action. Thou art the embodiment of action and motion, of which Zittel hath said, Wherever our eyes dwell on the universe, whithersoever we are carried in the flight of thought, everywhere we find motion. Suns, planets, worlds, bodies, atoms, and particles, Move and act at thy bidding. Amidst all the change of substance, among the play of forces, and among and amidst all the results therefrom, there art thou, unchanged and constant. As though fresh from the hand of the infinite, thou hast maintained thy vigor and strength and power throughout the aeons of time. And likewise space has no terrors for thee, for thou hast mastered it. Thou art a symbol of the power of the infinite. Thou art its message to doubting man. Let us close this book with the thought of the greatness of this thing that we call dynamic thought, which, great as it is, is but as the shadow of the absolute power of the infinite one, which is the causeless cause and the causer of causes. And in thus parting company, reader, let us murmur the words of the German poet who has sung, Dost thou ask for rest? See then how foolish is thy desire. The stern yoke of motion holds and harness the whole universe. Nowhere in this age canst thou ever find rest, and no power can deliver thee from the doom of activity. Rest is not to be found either in heaven or on earth, and from death and dying break forth new growth, new birth. All the life of nature is an ocean of activity. 
following on her footsteps without ceasing thou must march forward with the whole even the dark portal of death gives thee no rest and out of thy coffin will spring blossoms of a new life Finney. end of chapter 16 end of dynamic thought or the law of vibrant energy by william walker atkinson